covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcome in, fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Heilman in here, as always, for another edition of the show. We're at episode 94, ladies and gentlemen. We're also at the beginning of week two of the National Arena League season. It is time to do a preview of your next round of competition. It should be exciting ones as well. Because I'm going to bring in my good old buddy, pal, and co-host, Jim Renier, into the seat. <laughs> good to see you, my friend. How you doing? I'm over here in Birmingham, by the way. So obviously this is not the normal set. But we are here. NAL Rebound Week 2 is here, and we get to preview some first new, at least newcomers to start the year, some other storylines coming in this week. But exciting football is ahead, I guarantee it. It's Week 2, Empire Open, Shark Tank be rocking, Caroline's getting into business. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. A uh, little interesting tidbits going around uh, today, especially on social media. Uh, we will not get in – we will not touch that. Um Yep. Yeah, it's a, little, it's, a, it, it's a buzz. I'm just going to tell you the sources that I've talked to with my organization and blatant told me that everything that you've heard is absolutely false. So um, that's where I'm getting at. We're not touching it. You know, if you know it, you know it. This is week two. There's actually arena football being played this weekend. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, exactly. Two games on Sunday, but tomorrow night. I'll be live in the tank. If people in Jacksonville are in the Shark Tank, come find me. Or I'll you find should. it. Um, if not, I'll be on the field after the game, uh, chatting with the players from both teams, uh, coaches. You know, that's what I do. Uh, but yeah, week two is here. Uh, it's pretty. It's going to be pretty cool. I see that we already have eleven people online. Welcome, guys. Uh, this awesome. is a live show. Uh, comment questions. That's how it is. We're. This is how we're going to do it. We got familiar faces. We got familiar places. Um, welcome, week two, NAL season. Member, ask questions if you want questions answered. We will not touch on a lot of the stuff that happened earlier today with the buzz. Um, just yeah. concentrate on week two of the National Arena League because this is football. We have actually football. And let's dive into that week two, by the way, and we'll cut into the chase and just give you what we are going to be doing with this show, the rebound shows, that is, you know, jumping uh, in. Game day. game day. Sorry, you said rebound <laughs> on, the, on there. Not- it's working. Getting- it's a little impromptu, guys. We had some rush things coming in with the live. Oh, you Stay mean with that? Us. Yes, that's what I was meaning. It's game day. Nonetheless, it's game day. I'm in my head. Anyway, for game day shows, we're doing the power rankings just like we did last year for our preview episodes. We're going to jump right into that as we have had it, of course, for the season. Power rankings. Kicking things off here, Jim. Mm-hmm. Here. I got to do some technical work. Actually, go find the graphic. Here we go. <laughs> there he is. So, yeah, we kind of constructed this on the back end here for this week. Um, honestly, I think that this is, to me, kind of solidifies where we're at. And, again, keep in mind, you know, not everyone has played. The majority of teams have. The only one that hasn't is the Empire. But to us, still kind of hard not to knock the Empire off the number one spot. We still have them as our preseason favorite right now to win or at least be in the championship. San Antonio, you know, tough-fought battle with Carolina. I think Carolina showed off very much – as we talked in the re- in the rebound show, what they are capable of, and that they're going to be a hard out all season. Jacksonville, after a hard-fought start, at least getting a rough start, they got things sorted out, showed who that we thought they were against the West Texas Warbirds. And Fayetteville, to us, the big jumpers in this poll, they were the big surprise. 
They jumped to number four right now for us. And I think that that's well-deserved after the record-setting number of points they put up against the Orlando Predators. Well, usually in the power rankings, like we, ladies and gentlemen, you don't realize how much we debate behind scenes between the whole crew of inside the walls. Should we do a power four or should we do all seven? Should we just do the top two, whatever, because it's, it, no, it, it drinks some controversy or hype in the league. Um, I say screw it. We said screw it after I, was, I, I just did I'm it. The one, I'm the one that's, that did the, th- the four thing and said maybe we should. I said, you know what? Forget it because yeah. let's have a conversation. That's, that's what it is. Screw it. Let's have a conversation about all seven, yeah. and this fits. And I think it's definitely worth it because, you know, West Texas, I'll admit, they had a rough go, but they can build from here. We saw what happened in San Antonio last year. Phil Philip, who's watching with us right now, he knows exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they were seven for – I think they – Phil may know how far they went up last year. or I can go back in the past po- podcast, go look how far they went up. I think the highest they were was like four, I think, in the power rankings at one point last year. Um, but, again, this is power rankings, and we are, we're in professional football. Therefore, there's a playoff. So, if you're in the top four at the end of the year, that's what counts the most. Not stupid little power rankings we do. <laughs> of course. Uh, but on the part, like the very common narrative that we got um, between all four of us, me, you, Justin, and Mason, is that Albany is number one until proven otherwise. They're the top team in the league, uh, defending champions. But you can see how Fayetteville was number seven going into our preseason power rankings. They jumped all the way up to number four uh, for their impressive performance last week against the Orlando Predators. Uh, again, West Texas, it's, you know, sh- like prove it to me type of thing. Uh, Orlando is they have pieces they can show it but it's inconsistency it sounds it's basically deja vu from last season same thing and Caroline's right there they were toe-to-toe with San Antonio last week and San Antonio we had him at number two to start the year can't really drop him when you win by one point Uh, Jacksonville was at four they went up a spot last year or this week uh, because of their second half dominance over the West Texas Warbirds. So uh, the power rankings are what they are. Again, um, it causes, you know, conversations around the league, especially with a group of people on our discord account, especially guys yep. um, like Ralph, Philip, or Phil or San Antonio uh, contingent of people. Uh, they By the were, way, check out that discord, <laughs> you know, join um, the conversation. Uh, Santa, those are more, some of the most vocal Santa, uh, San Antonio fans. And plus, it, it's a friendly uh, reminder of why we love this sport. And also, for our listeners that don't know the standings, the standings are up top on the top row. Um, that is the current act of standings. The NAL did something that really aggravates me on how they do standings. This is a shout-out to the people in the standings. Yes, uh, yes, Fayetteville scored the most points, but they also did the give up the most points. Jacksonville scored them second most points, but gave up the fewest points. Is the point differential between the mm-hmm. teams? Can we, if you're going to have tiebreakers as point differential at the end of the year, why are you not using it in the first week of the season? It just aggravates me. But anyways, sure. it's one and I, yeah. <laughs> um, That's just one thing. But anyways, um, again, if you if you don't see the standings, if you're online or you're listening to our podcast platform or you listen to this as pregame in Jacksonville, if you hear me walk by you and you hear me on the radio. Just talk to me. I'm there. That's a, that's I'm for the people. You know, we're getting close. Season's here. Well, I'm not going to be tailgating that tomorrow. Don't have the money for it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just going to go eat somewhere and travel. But anyways, uh, let's get to the actual thing here. What I was going to get to. Um, 
about the games this weekend. And where are the you know, me with my freaking graphics? Here we go. Uh, San Antonio Jacksonville, of course, is Saturday. Vice Art Veteran Memorial Games at seven o'clock. And tomorrow is, or Sunday. Sunday. Sunday, 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 Sunday. West Texas at Carolina at the Greensboro Coliseum. And then go. finally, there the Predators go. traveling to the Empire State, playing Albany at the MVP Arena, which is, of course, one of the harder places to play. Again, Albany starting off their first home game of season, their first game of the season, uh, the only one that didn't get to play last week. And this week, the only one that won't be playing is Fayetteville. They get a little bye, get to prepare for their home opener at the Crown Coliseum for week three, but still a full slate of three games on the docket and two on Sunday this time, which is something we had talked about <laughs> on the show. Nice one there, uh, Ralph, with the uh, antivirus. We are looking at that, by the way, as that solution. But anyway, um, something, again, we've noticed in the preseason, a lot more Sunday slate games. They've been mixing a bit up on the weekend, so this is kind of the beginnings of that now. We're seeing – you know, one and then two kind of spreading things out, obviously venue items. But I think that was a complaint that we had on a few fans. It's not just a bat, put them all one in together and they are executing that. And we'll get to see a full setup of solid contests that will be, will be competitive. We're expecting some competitive football here for sure. Let's jump into the Saturday game and get some previews on this. Shall we, Jim? Let's do this oh, thing. Yes. Uh, the unbeaten battle in the shark tank. Um, and I clicked the wrong one. Give me a second. It was easy fix. This is why we have editing. There, so great. there we go. Uh, it's, unbeaten, <laughs> it's the unbeaten clash in the Shark Tank this uh, Saturday as the 1 0 um, Jacksonville Sharks take on the San Antonio Gunslingers in Visar Veterans Memorial Arena, home of the Shark Tank. Um, it's an it's interesting matchup. If this game is the same as last year's fireworks between these two teams, uh, it's going to be very entertaining. Um, based for what I've seen so far this season between these two teams, is that Arvell was a little sluggish to start last week, well, like a lot of quarterbacks in the in the arena game. Week one's always the ugliest of all games, um, and defenses are far ahead of the offenses. Jacksonville's defense started to show themselves in the second half and dominated West Texas. Mm -hmm. Over in San Antonio, it seemed like both teams, Carolina and San Antonio, started to figure each other out. Therefore, the whole game was just sluggish throughout the uh, for the first four quarters, unlike in Jacksonville where one team started to pull away. Uh, this is going to be an exciting matchup, in my opinion, because last time San Antonio was in Jacksonville, we saw uh, Superman Arvell Nelson, but this time he was with the Jacksonville Sharks and mm -hmm. not the San Antonio Gunslingers. So it's an intriguing matchup between these two teams. It's too early to say the best offense and best defense. Right now, by stats, it's the number three offense taking on the number one defense um, in Jacksonville. Yeah, it's a little early, that for sure. But look, here's something we're going to point out, though. And I think this is a great set setup for this game. First off, you got Arvell Nelson returning to the Shark Tank after last year coming in and basically reviving the Sharks season. He came in and essentially changed things over from going 0-4 and rallied the troops to get that fourth seed at the end of the year. So now you're in San Antonio, who you know was also, as Phil pointed out, they started 0-5, were within a few games going their way, and they could have rallied back and gotten into that four. Kind of been like a Carolina in 2021, just wasn't enough juice in the tank. This year, though, starting out hot, 
They're both 1-0. and And you have Nelson, who I think is going to have to hope that he has a little bit more accurate passing this week. Here's the deal. Marvin Ross and Jabari Gorman were harassing – were definitely harassing receivers in West Texas. Sands, Sands of course, Pegram. But, I mean, besides that performance, they were having a field day out there in that secondary – and I also think that Sharks front three is going to be very imposing to have to defend against. Nelson has the mobility to avoid and deliver accurate passes downfield or in the short range to get guys in space. But Philip Barnett and Khalil Rashad are going to be in for an early and tough first, tough early season challenge with Gorman and Ross, guys that you know either all NAL or are heavy contributors last year in the respective teams coming in and having to defend two of the best receivers. That matchup alone – it's going to be a fascinating battle and what is an offensive sport already. But if you can get any shred of defense against the Gunslingers, Gunslingers defense isn't no slouch either. But I think that that, fast, that matchup in particular is fascinating. Same goes, I think, the opposite side between for Solomon having to be the main dude to carry this. Who's going to step up now that Darian Townsend is out for the year? Yeah, that's a big blow by Jax when you lose a, a guy that we had ranked in our preseason polls as the – either a specialist or an offensive player of the year for the NAL and Darian Townsend. Uh, two key a, that's a shame. It is a shame. Uh, uh, two key uh, battles I want uh, for the listeners to watch for is the, the hog mollies up front, the linebacker slash fullback matchup. You're going to see all game Anthony Johnson for versus Pierre Turner. And also we all know about Marvin Ross. We all know about Kylie Rashad, uh, Jabari Gorman versus um, Philip Barnett. I think those would be the two key. Re- you're, you're don't worry about Marvin Ross and and Kylie Rashad. They're both going to get their picks. They're both going to get touch. Well, technically touch. If it's touchdown for Marvin, he's picking it off and going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But uh, the key is the secondary matchups is the linebacker and the fullback matchup or the uh, um, Philip Arnett versus uh, Jabari Gorman. It's going to be an intriguing matchup. You're going to see how Jacksonville's defense played against West Texas. They frustrated – uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel Smith. This time mm-hmm. around, uh, you got Shakai Holiness again. You can, if you get the Nelson, Nelson, yes, maybe he was mobile like he was back in the Washington Valor days, but that's five years ago. He's you know, much older now. He's more, you can say more older, more wiser. But sometimes you can get older and wiser, but those knees don't follow. That's exactly what Mason told me on Twitter <laughs> one day. You can get older and wiser in this game, but your knees may not follow you. Uh, the key in my position, my my opinion, in this game is uh, those two key matchups between there. If whoever wins those matchups is going to win the, uh, is going to start leaning towards the game, uh, winning this game. Uh, I can see both these teams winning. I can see Jacksonville having a defense performance like they did in West Texas and just completely slow down San Antonio, and it will be another one of those. Oh my God, that's can we get this game going? And you might see the, or you might see the rise of counter uh, Connor Blunt. In this game, uh, mm-hmm. he did have a better second half than he did the first half against West Texas, but San Antonio is a completely different beast than West Texas. Or you can see Arvell Nelson click in week two, and that offense that is San Antonio explodes. And if that happens, Jacksonville has issues. It for people who watch other football leagues out there, especially in the NFL, it's like back in the day when you played against Peyton Manning, you weren't going to stop him. You, but when you did stop him, you wanted your offense to eat the clock. I mean, hand off yes. the ball and run because Peyton Man's going to get the ball and just go right down the field and score. I think Jacksonville has to play that similar type of style against San Antonio. If they get the ball, 
nickel and dime it down the field, eat as much clock, keep this game a low-scoring game like in the 50s. Like and, I, was surprised, and I was surprised that they scored that many points last week. I was like, <laughs> this week you're going to have to do it unless we see a surprise uh, explosion from Connor, which Absolutely. very likely can happen too because he's still a young quarterback. Well, and here's the thing with Connor. So you can't have the same start as last week. That is going to be a problem if you're placing the gunslingers. And I want I want to point out, Ralph Judkins, thank you for pointing these out because I was going to bring this up. Um, not only Arthur Hobbs, as you brought the first point, but here's the deal. Uh, Justin Alexander and Calvin Fance, they were menaces last week against <laughs> Charles McComb. There were, there were a lot of pressures on Charles McComb between these two gentlemen. I mean, Alexander, remember, he was all NAL last year, was in the XFL until he wasn't. Really should be playing up there if he gets his next chance or in another league if he does. But we're glad he's in the NAL because he's bringing exciting defensive plays. Calvin Fance has been a has been a workhorse for the Empire in recent years and in this league as well. Um, that's going to be, to me, a tougher defensive front to play than last week against West Texas. And I, I, I really do wonder how much Connor is going to adjust after one week. Because if you can't get that down and you have Alexander and Fance getting in your face all day – and you're going to have to – or Cody Brooks possibly, possibly yeah. protecting and getting that. I mean, that's going to be hard. That is going to be a hard adjustment to go against these guys. Hobbs definitely came out swinging last week and showed that he still is one of these top defenders in this league after having kind of an off gear with being in a loaded Albany roster. And so that's the side to me, you know, who are you going – how are you going to adjust if you're Connor Blau? Um, and for the receiving end of this thing, you know, if they if – they, Smother Cameron Solomon, who's going to get the ball besides Solomon? I think it's Jordan Smith. I think he should be your guy. I still am high on him. He did have a st- he did have a stud 42-yard pass reception for a touchdown against the West Texas Warbirds that was pretty ball. And I think he's your next guy up. But you need to make sure that that is established right out of the gate because if they catch on, like Solomon, you can let one guy mm-hmm. get a 100-yard game, but you can't let him – be the only guy and there's no way I think San Antonio allows that to happen and if they can't find that secondary person to throw a ball to Jacksonville might get into trouble if things get a little shaky to start like they did against West Texas you can't do that against San Antonio San Antonio will burn you right out of the gate this time oh agreed and one thing that Jacksonville needs to do is unlike what Carolina didn't do against San Antonio in week one is capitalize on deuces Daniel Justino Mm -hmm. is a good kicker. He was one of the best kickers last year in the league, kicking deuces. And Jacksonville, unlike San Antonio, the scoreboard does move a lot higher, so the scoreboard won't be in the way. Drew uh, Pearson's not hitting that scoreboard this exactly. time. <laughs> but that also gives the opportunity to Drew Pearson to see him, like how he ended last year hitting deuces. So I expected, I expect the deuce and the special teams – the Nets getting more involved in this game than they did in San Antonio or they did in West Texas. Uh, but overall, this is a one unknown matchup and is very intriguing because uh, we're entering, well, again, San Antonio won last week. That's the first time they started 1-0. Jacksonville won last week. Both these teams started 0-4, respectively, the start last season. Um, these two teams are almost like a carbon copy from last year. They both start off bad sluggish points in the season and they both went on hot streaks at a certain time. San Antonio was at the end of the year. Jacksonville was more in the middle of the season and they both basically, well, Jacksonville made the playoffs. San Antonio didn't, but they have a lot of similarities in these, in the, from these organizations from last year. Now, new year, new season, but certain player switched hands to Arvell Nelson. But uh, 
the key, well, like I already said, the key games, the key things, uh, keys things to watch out for in this game. But a bold uh, prediction in this game, I, I it, it, it's just a birdie. I hear it like tweeting, like, okay. what? Orlando had a good attendance. Oh, okay. Just saying. <laughs> oh, fascinating. Look at you. The Sharks have a, have a challenger for the attendance uh, pace now. That's, See, that's going to be a fun little thing to talk about this year is if Orlando is drawing crowds now, Shark Tank's the only – I mean, that's going to be fun too with those games later on in the year. I can't wait to see how those those teams travel because both of them, those fan bases, give them props. And especially I think other ones in the league too. You know, like I said, like we talk about the gunslingers. Those guys have been excellent guys. Phil, Phil definitely knows what we're talk, talking about there. I mean, fan bases have been doing a good job so far this year, I think, for the league, and I'm happy to see it. Um, my thing, bold prediction for the game – I think just I think Justin Alexander and Calvin Fance get get three sacks this game. I, I and it's it, I don't know if it's just because of Jacksonville's line, but I, I worry that Connor Connor at least early on will have the same issue where it's adjusting because now you're playing an even better team in this mm-hmm. league than West Texas, um, and I think Alexander and Fance are going to feast on a young QB. I think they get three sacks between the two. Um, I think at least one – I think maybe they both get one and a half. Mm-hmm. More realistically, you'll get like a combo sack and both will get a solo. But I think you'll see the three-sack game on the Gunslinger's stat sheet. Is it – will that be due to just an experience by Connor or just the, the jitters of being a, a younger quarterback in the arena game? I think, it, I think an experience. That, that's my thing. Because, again, you know, West Texas, they did a solid job by themselves, and that's a new team in this league. You know, credit, they have Kerry Starks on their side, who also mm-hmm. is an all-NAL and defensive player of the year. And, you know, he got, of course, his due last week. But I think you just have more overall pass rush talent on that front three, plus, you know, your Mac linebacker coming in there, that I think the gunslingers do get back there more often, and they do make him a little bit, maybe not confused, mm-hmm. but at least I think he's looking over his shoulder a little more often, and he's going to lose and buy too much time. Hey, San Antonio fans, Jacksonville Shark fans, put your bullet predictions in the chat. We'll post them here. Uh, we'll do our pick them at the very end of the show. Uh, we don't do it today, so I know you guys want us to do pickums. Of course, I got to do the check your script. I got my script. We got it from the commissioner. We know what's going to happen this week, which he was completely wrong last week, by the way. Uh, oh, <laughs> all right. But anyways, uh, so let's get to the next game. I, the game of the week is Orlando at Albany. That will be the last game we break down yes. for that. So the next game will head up to Greensboro. Where is the rebound? in Greensboro, where the West Texas Warburgs look to rebound against the Carolina Cobras after suffering their first loss in franchise history, while the Carolina Cobras are ready to strike in their home opener and try not to start 0-2 for the first time in franchise history. See, that shows you how how successful Carolina has been. Isn't that crazy? Like, that that has been, a, for since they've come in in 2018, they have been just that good in this mm-hmm. league at, you know, acquiring talent, keeping a consistent level for their fans to come and watch. So that's awesome. Um, my first thing off with this game, like if you're looking, if you're a Carolina fan and you watched last week, it was the little things. You were so close. You could have walked out of Freeman Coliseum 1-0 and feeling pretty good, but you got to execute on the little stuff. For example, scoring touchdowns. And I'll, I'll put it on not just T.C. Stevens because I felt kind of bad in the rebound and I, some folks were talking to me going, well, it's not just T.C. And I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right because a few of those were blocked. If you're the front, if you're the front three or front five that's setting up for those kicks, you guys gotta put those hands down. They they could have easily won. To me, they could maybe not easily, but 
they had a prime chance of being in the position to put pressure on Arvell Nelson and company if they just execute extra points. That's mm-hmm. the thing. The reason they had to go for two at the end of that contest in Freeman was because they missed all their extra points either by blocks or TC couldn't drain them in, which, again, that's a twofold. Your kicker, you got to get more ready and up and going for that. He did drain a deuce, which was great, but you have to do the little things right in arena, especially with stuff like this in close games against good competition. That was a tough loss to swallow. Now they get to go home. They get to go to an opponent that I think is trying to find its footing. They def- West Texas has a lot more questions coming in than Carolina, but still Carolina really could be one and oh right now. They just got to lick their wounds, throw the tape away and hope that James Fuller got these guys ready to go and that they don't have any mental blocks after losing such a short contest, a close contest in San Antonio. It, there's an interesting stay in sports um, or not saying, but it's a phrase where uh, you're given the game away, even though you're supposed to win it. Basically uh, from people I've talked to on our discord and through friends um, in the, in the community is that San Antonio was trying to give Carolina the game here. Have it. Carolina could not capitalize because Carolina was doing the same thing. Now you, you have it. Um, it was one of those games where it, it was just because it was so ugly last week between these two, uh, between San Antonio and Carolina. It, it, really, it started slow. It started it, definitely slowish. It couldn't, he couldn't feel the vibe, what type of, who, what team was going to be what. And like Charles McCollum had some moments where you're like, man, yeah, that's a Charles McCollum we remember from 2019. Yeah, that, he definitely showed off a few of those MVP and, moments, dodging, for, dodging pass rushes, throwing across the field. Like he has it. So it's definitely there. They just have to, like I said, the little things, man, you got to execute the little stuff when you're that close. And, and one of the things that, that I noticed about that game last week is Carolina's offense was starting to get into it until Miles Kelly got hurt. And when he went down, that, the offense just started sputtering again. Uh, but that end of the game was a little bit – if you were a Arena fan, I knew the score before I watched the game, but you know I tried my best because I do like to listen to broadcast, and Ralph does a great job for the, the gunslingers. I was listening to him. Um, besides them early in the game, trying to order breakfast tacos, which was funny. Um, but <laughs> later, uh, the last drive, McCollum answers the touchdown. And you're like, oh, yep, there he is. Just kick the extra point, tie the game. They went for two and just cost the game. Like, why? <laughs> I was like, but, hey, that's last week. Now, if you look at this week, you look at the other, other team across the field, West Texas. West Texas offense, you talk about Carolina being sluggish. West Texas offense could not get going. Maybe that's because Jacksonville's defense was just so good last week. Um, but Daniel Smith did not look good. The receivers didn't look good besides uh, Leggett or Pierman Jr. Uh, that mm-hmm. was like he was catching balls over Ross. And if you're doing that, you're a pretty good receiver. The problem with West Texas is that they got behind – they panicked, and they were forcing plays that were either Gorbin was there or Ross was there. And Daniel Smith, usually when your quarterback's back is facing towards the offensive lineman, you're not going to do anything well. One thing that I've noticed, this, my, this is not a shot at Carolina. There are some great players in Carolina. The return of the Zach Brown bands this weekend, by the way, in the Carolina. There you go. Carolina's defense right now, early this year, I don't think it's as good as Jacksonville. So I think 
West Texas will have a better chance of moving the ball down the field. But when you look at the quarterback play from last week just alone between Charles McCollum and Daniel Smith, I'm going with Charles McCollum. I'm sorry. Um, it's, it may yeah. be because of experience, but overall, Carolina looks more ready right now than West Texas. Uh, West Texas is making that long road trip to Greensboro. Uh, and you're going into the the snake pit, uh, the friendly confines um, that are not going to be friendly for West Texas. Uh, yeah. I just look at uh, the uh, information and the, the stats. Carolina was toe to toe with San Antonio. San Antonio and both they were you know flipping flopping how it's going to who wants to win the game in Jacksonville and West Texas. You knew who the winner of that game was in halftime because one team couldn't move the ball besides one play throw deep, and that mm-hmm. was it. Um, this game for West Texas to be competitive in this game against Carolina, they have to nickel and diamond. Basically, move the ball down the field. Don't take deep shots. Kill the clock. Keep Charles McCollum and Adam Smith and Lance Evans and Zach Brown on the sideline. Well, Zach Brown would be playing defense, but mm-hmm. the offensive side of Zach Brown, keep them on the sideline because if they're on the field and you have the same performance like you did last week, Carolina is just as capable as any team in this league. They can run the score up on you. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of questions in West Texas, and I don't know if they have the answers yet. They have great young talent, guys that we just got introduced to last week, but – when your quarterback is back is facing the offensive line, that's not a good, good look. And I've seen that multiple. I even watched the game earlier uh, this week. And again, to just review it. I don't know what Jacksonville was doing, but they were tormenting Daniel Smith all night. And it started early in the game. It just, the scoreboard didn't show it until midway through the second quarter in the second half. Right. I mean, that, to be honest with you, that game was a mess from the start. That first, yeah. that first quarter was hard, was rough to watch uh, for football in terms of just flags, missed opportunities, fourth foreign outs, interceptions. I mean, that was a rough one to go. But I'll tell you with West Texas, I think one thing I'll give credit to Jacksonville in, in that regard, you know, their defense, like you've been ta- you've been preaching, Jim, it, it, it delivers pressure. It was getting to Daniel Smith. I didn't see as many of these pressures that Carolina was able to get against San, Anto- against San Antonio last week. So mm-hmm. my question is, what are we going to see? Is it – are we going to talk about – that Carolina's front three was able to step up against what was having a front three in, you know, in West Texas that was having a rough week or did West Texas have an off week against a good defensive opponent? Or are they going to be able to step up and handle what was a front three defensively for those Cobras that was not really able to do much that I could tell. So that to me is going to be a point as well. I also think Ralph bringing up a great point here. Zach Brown's absence, you know, is bigger than we know. Again, he was suspended one game for an incident that happened, Last year, that was kind of brought up, so he had to serve that suspension. Um, he's back, so that's a big factor, I think, for the Carolina Cobras. You get an Ironman guy that not only is a great rusher in this league, one of the top rushers in the NAL, but is also one of the best linebackers in the NAL that can scour the field, can make and take guys down without allowing extra yards after the catch. So this is definitely a big addition to have back. Um, I think West Texas, though, a lot more questions for me. Uh, that's the deal, you know, but this will be a chance. I think we can evaluate their line a little bit better because I thought Carolina underperformed last week, getting pressure on Arvell Nelson anyway, to where there's questions. Can they get pressure on Daniel Smith? Mm -hmm. I think they can, but that is still remaining to be seen because week one is still kind of hard sometimes to gauge where exactly all these units are. 
And again, Jacksonville, they did load up on defense. That is their bread and butter right now this season is Jason Gibson has a bunch of veteran guys on that side. So they did have their way eventually and with Daniel Smith and company to the tune of, well, you know, five interceptions. So <laughs> that definitely will go a long way. Well, also, Caroline did play against a more experienced quarterback than... True. But now here's the thing. I would like to see Carolina execute on something they also failed to execute on last week. Come down with interceptions. You know, that they yeah. definitely left picks on the floor. And I think that you're going to have more opportunities as long as you can get pressure. I think Daniel Smith, when he has a solid line, he's a solid veteran floor player in this league. But if he's going to have to get scrambling and have to go crazy... Yeah, that's when you run into trouble. That's my thing. Phil here with the point. West Texas strikes me as another case like the Gunslingers from last year. Growing pains early with potential to be the team no one wants to play at the end of the year. And you know what? This is the NAL. Any transaction can happen as you go on. We know this. You know, guys will come up and they can change it. Yeah. So there is still a chance. Right now, though, this version of the team, still a ton of stuff they got to prove. Daniel Smith has to have a smoother week. And hopefully that line in particular has a much smoother week than they did last week because that's going to be the ma- difference maker if they have any shot to take out Carolina. One thing I like, well, well I, I got to really research this before I say this, but I'm, I think I'm right. I think last year Daniel Smith was the quarterback for the Columbus Lions when they beat undefeated Carolina. I could be wrong, but I mm. think it, it was that Darren Daniel then. Last then, that was no, no, it was. No, I wasn't that. Well, no, because Mason Espinosa was in for that one. Was it Mason? Okay, well, yeah. then, well, we got some mm-hmm. 18, 19, maybe Gibson's watching. Maybe someone from Columbus is watching. School me, please. I, I, I think, if not, I was going to give oh, a lot of credit to Daniel Smith uh, for beating uh, Caroline last year. But one of the intriguing, like you were mentioning, how w- what West Texas can do, I want to see the the improvement from week one to week two, like what Phil mentioned, like early, early season struggles and pains later in the year, you start, you know, catching up and probably could that phrase backdoor yourself in somewhere like a backdoor of the four possible. Mm-hmm. It's happened. It's happened before in this league. San Antonio was dead last year. Uh, Carolina did it two years ago. It, I want to see how Daniel Smith with another week with his receivers you're, yeah, you're traveling. The crowd's against you. And the, the same, uh, there's a thing that I hear players, we've interviewed them before, that they play better on the road because the pressure's not on them. It's on the home team. So I wonder how Daniel Smith will play in a different environment against a team that he's familiar to play against. Uh, he's played Carolina right. multiple times. But also, you, the West Texas players have already that one-game experience against an NAL competition. So they know – that they're playing, they're not playing the Dallas, they're, you know, the Dallas Prime and the Mississippi. I almost said Showboys. That's another. That's what's up. But they're not <laughs> oh, playing. The, you know, they're not playing the lower, lower, lower team arena. They're playing yeah. big boy arena football with bigger names and bigger talent and more talented players. So I think last week could have been just a wake up call. Like, oh, what, we got to you know do a different type of game plan, and it starts with a QB. I want to see it what does. Daniel Smith. He's doing also on the defensive side of the ball. One thing I've noticed from West Texas last week is you didn't hear a lot of Starks then. You're talking yeah, about I mean, the, he, the return defensive he, player okay, here. He, he did get his sack in, but the impact wasn't as how I didn't think he was called as much or wasn't as in the, the moment as maybe we were used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we'll see. I mean, again, 
he's kind of that main leader on that side of the ball right now. Him and Savante Davenport are the two main veterans that are anchoring that side. You know, they're going to have to rally the troops. And they, that that is, in terms of their strength right now, at least what is the most veteran unit? Yeah, they ran out of steam at the end against Jacksonville, but they were also the reason why they were in that contest in the first place. Um, yeah, good question in terms of Miles Kelly. Um, I My understanding he's not going to be in for this one. Um, no. Uh, so the, that, yeah. From what I've heard, he's out for at least this week, but he's not on mm-hmm. any type of injury list that we've gotten so far from the league. And again, a lot of the league information for players stuff doesn't drop till really late um, during game day or game week. So um, probably might officially know something tomorrow, but right, as of right now, we don't know. But the way his injury looked like, um, if you, you follow the game of football, that looks like it's a week or two, possibly more, uh, especially yeah. with Darren Townsend. We thought it would be just a week or two injury. He's out for the season. So uh, that sucks uh, too. He, yeah. Yeah. I, well, both of them suck. But I mean, oh, yeah. in, terms, in terms of Kelly, you hate to see it because Kelly, you know, he's just trying to land. He's just trying to land not awkwardly. And of course, it bends up his wrist real bad. You know, that that's always an unfortunate injury. You know, he's just trying to brace himself. You can't mm-hmm. predict how that, how that arm's going to bend or not. But you know it is what it is. Wow! Uh, remind me <laughs> that just now <laughs> dropped. I clicked that almost thirty wow. minutes ago. <laughs> okay. Oh, great editing job. That wasn't me. That just did it by itself. I clicked that. Okay. I, <laughs> I was wondering here. Ooh, I was uh-oh. like, what? Like, what the hell is going on with this? <laughs> I love technology. Yeah, I guess that's me doing that. I didn't mean to. I was trying to see this like with Dave sent something. I would click it. Um, as you guys can tell, I am uh, currently in Birmingham for a different league right now for a different show. Um, I guess I'll quickly spin that one off. Springstock Part 2, 2023 edition. We're going to be doing that 12 p.m. Central to 3 p.m. Central for the USFL podcast, my other show with my buddy Stefan Raychuk. You should check that out if you have some time, unless you are, of course, watching Arena Game. Completely understandable, but hey, if you want to double stream it, Come and check it out. we got players from both the Breakers and the Stallions on the show, as well as other guests. Um, but seriously, you know, Springstock, check it out. USFL Podcast on our YouTube page. Look up USFL Cast online. Anyway. You're a busy man, bro. <laughs> yeah. You're just busy I got to do the show, though. I, I love this show. I, I would hate if I missed a week of this show. And I was going to do it no matter what. So I'm glad to do it, you know. And we're still prepping after this. Uh, we got like a super late night uh storage drop we gotta do for our speakers and all that it's wild but we're gonna get this bad boy done uh league supplying us with uh promotional materials too it, it's wild they've been great um and i'm glad i'm i'm even i'm playing catch up with the nal i'm gonna be watching those games later tomorrow night after the usfl games because you know i want to see how things went you know especially the you know saturday night's games can be fun i'll get sunday games to watch too as well i should be able to get kept up with a few of those too for sunday so that should be great. Um, anyway, Aha! let's get this. Me with yeah. my useless knowledge of this league. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know how to throw that at the top of my – thank you, Dave Williams. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Good. Well, Dave, coming in clutch as always with the stats. Appreciate that update as we're doing the show. Um, as I say, Jim, Jim, I'm thinking I have like one thing on the brain, and I'm like, ah, this, the stats aren't coming up. So much appreciated for that update as well. And I'm glad that we will get things kicked off. Anyway, let's dive in. Game of the week, people. We are going to the Capital Region up in Albany, New York. We have the Orlando Predators coming off 
a second half collapse, they're going to have to rebound and visit who we think is the top dogs in this league still in the Albany Empire. Sadly, though, this is one thing we have to discuss with the Empire. We kind of waited just because the timing, my stuff here, and just the show timings. Let's bring it up. A new order in the Empire. So if you guys already know by now, many of you watch the show and then follow the league as well. It's simple. They, they, they had to move on or they chose to move on from Coach Tom Manos. Uh, it was announced via it was announced via team ownership as well when they were doing kind of another news piece about Antonio Brown coming up and buying majority stake. Tom Manos was also relieved of his duties. And thus, we now have former offensive coordinator for the Albany Empire, Damian, Damon Ware. He is now heading up the Empire. From what it sounds like, players have said, you know, it's a, players have commented on this. They're glad that Ware is leading the team. Uh, it's going to still be the same same basically set, set up and offense that they'll be running. You know, a lot of the same principles that Manas established will be in Albany. But you got to feel it's too bad because Tom Manas has left an impression on the NAL in the last few years. I think as this guy, you know, I think very much this the empire way and showing off how he definitely has a winning culture over there in Albany, New York. Um, he had everything great to say about the empire when he left and we wish him the best as well. But it is, it is kind of still weird for me that, you know, opening week of the season, we won't be seeing Tom on the sidelines in his, uh, in his, you know, sweater vest like we have last few years. Yeah. I'm going to miss, uh, the evolution of the playoff beard from week one. Um, but it, it, one thing I've noticed, or one thing as fans, no matter what sport we cover from baseball to basketball to the NFL to whoever, you're going to go through stages where tough decisions are going to have to be made. It's a business. I've had personal talks with Coach Manos. He's in good spirits. Um, he might make an appearance on this show in the future. Um, he's a guy who loves this game. Uh, he loves his team. He loves his crew. He's still an Albany guy. He's going to cheer for the Empire. And one thing, it's a decision. Uh, we do know Antonio Brown's become the full majority leader up in Albany. And that that's his bread and butter now, that he's, he's moving to Albany. He wants Albany to be the uh, premier organization in the league, which I don't know how much more premier you can be winning back-to-back championships um, for a league. But for Coach Manos, uh, uh, he he's one of the guys who opened up, opened his arms to us, like welcomed us. Um, the league gave us, like we asked some questions, gave us uh, some information. Uh, we also had a little banter between both his shows, the uh, the Empire show and our show over the last couple of weeks. That was entertaining. Uh, like I'll say something, he'll say something. It was banter back and forth. Uh, <laughs> yep. But now uh, if banner will be coming through uh, text messages uh, or an actual phone call. Um, he did a lot for us. He, he got players for us that we wanted. Uh, he gave us some insights. Uh, for the or league. So Manas is what you expect. He's a great coach and I expect him to be a coach in somewhere here pretty soon or not, I, I wanna, not, not, not this year, but he's going to coach right. somewhere. The guy still he, has passion for coaching. Right. He's going to find a place. I, and I think he was already, he had actually mentioned that he already had a few phone calls with people interested, but I think he wants time away. You know, he he's, he's enjoying his time with his family especially his grandson as well. He, he posts a lot, a lot about that too. So you know, he's he's enjoying a little bit of, I think, a breather at this moment. Uh, a few things I want to point out, because I think Tom Gross and some folks are asking us, and thank you, Tom, for bringing this up. Uh, but you can see on the website, 
Eddie Brown is listed as basically the general manager. He was, he was doing football operations anyway. So it kind of just slides into that position for the empire. So keep that in mind because Tom was doing the GM duties. I understand that's why people are asking. Um, but yeah, Eddie Brown will be basically heading up those duties. Something I like from Ralph here. And I, I do agree. Cause I, I think Tom, we saw it with the podcast and I think why not? I wonder if he's on a broadcast at some point. I think it'd be a great idea. Um, Maybe we'd have to tone some things back from his podcast language, but he has a good voice for it and he has the knowledge. I, I would love to see him on one of these broadcasts. I just don't know where, which one he would go. If it was an Empire one, it'd be mm-hmm. kind of cool. But, you know, how soon would he do it? Would he do it? You know, that's that's the thing I'd wonder. And he watches this show, so he'll let us know if he would give his thoughts on this too. We'll, we'll most likely get a message here in a couple of days or a couple of minutes. or it, It's going to be quick. Uh, if he has any, but I know he, uh, I've talked to him and I've talked to other people in the Albany organization, uh, that have, you know, I've said a couple things to them and they're willing to come on the show in the future, uh, to talk in AL, to talk many other things. So we have more additions to the family, of course, uh, people, I think I saw a message earlier about where's Mason Mason will join after they're in spring ball right now, uh, in DePaul. Uh, that's why, um, He's not here with us. Uh, Justin will be operating our social media. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's it. But it'd be pretty cool to have a, a coach come on the show if he wanted to, uh, or another personality from Albany to come on the show. Uh, it, it helps us spread the game and spread the love of the arena game. And overall, for Manas, I know a lot of fans may be like, like when the news happened, it was like a division. Like you could say, oh, there's a division happened in Albany. Uh, just, just give you guys some. A uh, good, uh, good self-esteem. Not, don't get too stressed. Manas is doing fine. Um, he is in good spirits. Uh, I actually, t- I talked, texted him a couple of, uh, earlier today, and he's, you know, good mood. And hey, uh, that's where you want to be. Like uh, jobs come and go. You'll get fired, or you, you know, get hired, or layoffs happen. But if you stay mm-hmm. positive and your mental state of mind. That's the only thing that matters, and he's in a good place right now. And my, I, I, I don't expect him to be away for a long time. And my, my thing is, if you're an Empire fan, again, if, if you have Damian, you have Damon Ware, who remember, you know, dude is dude is one of the best offensive coordinators in this in this league. I, I definitely think that should not go understated. His system will still be there. He just has coaching duties now, and I think he can run both setups. You know, to be honest with you, I would not be shocked. We'll find out pretty soon. But, you know, from what Tom was talking about, he thinks he set him up for a and he was the one that recommended him as the first option as he was walking out the door. So, you know, I think they got the right guy, at least even for interim. I, what, what is to, in the future remains to be seen. So, but if Coach Ware were to stay, I wouldn't be surprised. It's basically what Tom, him and Tom were tight, are tight-knit, not were. They are tight-knit. They're still good buddies. They did this as a joint thing when they came in here in 2021. And... Mm-hmm it's the best possible person you can have to continue what was Tom's legacy for the empire in the capital region. So good stuff, especially coming into week one, even with the short time frame, they're lucky they had the bye week to at least get some time to take a breath and still go, all right, it's time to go to work again. And they have been. Oh, well, of course. Uh, Damian Ware, in my opinion, is a great addition to the Albany organization. You keep some consistency in the, in the building. Uh, he won. Cha- he's won championships for uh, the Albany Empire with Manas. So 
there is th- that you know that transition's a lot easier. And the players, from what I've getting from all the players up there, they like them. And for, to, yeah. to keep a consistent uh, basis and to keep the empire way, and for them to go three peat, um, I think Ware was a great uh, pick to put as the interim head coach, and he's going to win games up in Albany. Um, and for the Albany fans, uh, you whatever you think about Antonio Brown, uh, if you love arena football, uh, support the team, show up, buy tickets because if you don't, if you don't like it and don't show up, the team will go away. That's the I, business. I That's the arena business. I will say I have been tracking tickets for that game. I, full disclosure, I'm like that is like one of my secondary hobbies is just tracking tracking Ticketmaster for some reason. But um, you know the league, as you might have seen, the Empire added extra seating in the up, upper deck, which hasn't been done since the beginning of last year, uh, which kind of shocked me and Jim. Uh, but the ticket sales do they look promising? It seems yeah. like they've upturned. Um, you know, and again, they've been it's been a slow burn climb for the empire. Um, I think it's a lot of proof, a lot of the concept and also capital region guys, we've learned, they, they believe in true in like the actual arena football sport, like the nets, everything. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's also been a thing that helps get even more people back in. And as long as you get more marketing, which by the way, Antonio Brown and Eddie Brown, that's one thing they have on their side is they can market and they can definitely do more marketing even more. So now that they own the majority, um, well, what remains to be seen what the future of the empire is, but you got to feel good. And remember, We'll talk about this as a good segue into this game. They have a core, 16 veterans from last year returning. Indeed. A championship core is back in that, and they have stu- they have quality young talent or veteran talent that's coming on the team. Two guys, by the way, that got signed this week, we are going to talk about in this next one with the game preview because one of them is a champion with the Empire and is also one of, a pretty solid veteran DB. The other, solid de- veteran receiving talent too, so – don't go undisclosed. Let's jump into it, though, with this breakdown. Jim, I'm going to let you lead off of this one. Orlando, rough, rough second half. Jesus, eight points mm-hmm. put up in the third and fourth quarter. Where do you go with this going into the capital region? Uh, usually in, in sports, you, you always, after having a bad game or a bad start, you want that makeup game. You know, that game, you know, yeah, we're going to get this and we're going to fix our kinks out and we're going to be a better organization, better team. For the next for the next game after that, um, usually that makeup game or that get right game is not the defending back to back champions. Mm-hmm. That's uh, um, you're not going to Albany to go play you uh, Albany. You're you're going up there and play the universe of uh, uh, Albany Empire, the champions. Uh, one thing, like I guarantee from the what we've previewed the, the preview show a couple of weeks ago with the Albany Empire and when we did the Orlando Predators and when we did the prediction show and when we did the position breakdowns earlier, that's eight weeks, nine weeks of content. Holy crap. Uh, it's still a lot of content. Uh, wow. we, we we said something about the receivers and one of the loudest groups on social media and on you know all the Facebook boards about our rankings were a bunch of Albany players. You think they have this game circled about proving who's the best? Um, I look at this game as an Albany team looking to start and kick off a quest for a three-peat. I think they're focused. A lot of noise happened in the organization over the last couple of weeks, but I think the team itself, based on the videos I've seen coming out of their social media with the the talent shows, the community events, the practices, Castronova looks good, some of the stuff I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, they look really organized and they look very poised. 
And one thing that is humbling for Albany is they play so well at home that is when they when you have a chance to get them at home, you have to play near perfect football. When Carolina did it to them twice last year in the regular season, they played almost near perfect football to knock them off. Oh yeah. When they made a few mistakes, they got obliterated by Albany and then the championship game. That is basically is going to happen again. Not 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 saying that could happen. Uh, Jake Sheehan, Lonnie Outlaw, uh, the whole Predators organization have to play near perfect football in Albany to beat the Albany Empire. Albany is going to come in this game on a high from a championship. Banners are coming down, home game. They've been off. This is their first game. So everyone's already played the game besides Albany. The energy in that building is going to be insane, almost like a playoff atmosphere. And if mm-hmm. Albany is a team that strikes first in their offense with Darius Prince, with Castronova, and then you look at that defense with Nick Hag, Brandon Cisse, and Maurice Leggett, the list goes on. Holy crap. Um, you said it. You said one of the names. They, they have a talented team. Orlando has a talented receiving core. They have a talented team. But the same Orlando team from last week goes into Albany, you're going to have the same result. It's going to come down, in my opinion, in this game, is how can uh, how can Orlando limit the mistakes and play as near-perfect football they can to go toe-in-toe with Albany? Because if you get Albany, it's either way early in the season, like last year, or when Albany's not playing their A game. And mm-hmm. – all the years I've seen, or the last couple of years I've seen under Manas and Coach Ware, Albany very rarely plays a B game. You can beat Albany, but you have to play an A while they play a B. And a home opener, banner night, that's just just a recipe that it's not going to be good for the game. But it, like I mentioned in Carolina, it's going to come down to Daniel Smith. In mm-hmm. Orlando, you have to give the ball – to someone else besides Clarence Williams. Let's God distribute. Rob Jones needs to go off. Alani Outlaw needs to go off. Maxwell needs to go off. They need someone else to go off to go toe-in-toe because Albany already has people that they can go off on. They have Darius Prince. Yeah, you get uh, Shorts. You got Castronova. Mm-hmm. Castronova can take over the game by himself. He, he doesn't need a receiver. He can just <laughs> yes. take it up and start going everywhere. Multifaceted Swiss Army knife really right there. Run or pass. Yeah. Orlando is going into a organization in Albany. They're going up against the Goliath in our in the sport right now. They're going up against the Kings or the King of Kings, the the Empire, the back to back champions. Orlando, <laughs> Orlando's going up there. Hopefully, they can make it to Episode Nine of the Star Wars saga before the Empire falls. Um, it's it's a long season, but um, yes, I did a Star Wars. Yeah, sorry, oh, nice. I'm a geek. Nice one. Um, <laughs> nice one. But in this game, it, like I said earlier in the, my, my little rant, the consistency, the offense, someone else needs to go out, show out. Rob Jones needs to show out. You know, Lonnie Outlaw needs to show out. Jake Sheehan needs to play near perfect football because if you even turn the ball over once, you're basically giving Albany seven points. In this day and age with the new rules, you basically could be giving them ten points. So mm-hmm. that you can't do that. If you play like that against Albany like you did against Fayetteville, Albany is going to do the same to you what Fayetteville did. But I think, personally, I think Coach Walls, I think Orlando's looked at the film. They got the rust out. I think it's going to be a more competitive game because I don't think Orlando's going to go up there and play the same type of style. I think they may figure out some mistakes. 
but I need to see Rob Jones go off. He went off in Jacksonville. I know he's good. He went off with the New York streets. I know he's good. So Orlando use him because Clarence Williams is going Clarence Williams. Like he's, he's legit, but for all, for Albany's sake, play your ball, play the Albany way. I mean, play, play what you're used to playing. I mean, they, they, what, what else can we really talk about, about them in terms of what they are capable of? Um, and again, I talk about just some of the transactions this week. They added two guys that I just, I'm like, I, I sit here and I go, I like both, I like both of them first off very much so in the league and that I have impressions of in positive light towards, first off, Maurice Leggett just being signed back onto the Empire, you know, as a contributor with the Columbus Lions, has won championships with the Empire and reached in years past. Um, I mean, what, what else can you mention? Dude's been a veteran in this, in this sport and has been a contributor in this sport to the nth degree. And he's a great addition, I think, for depth at the very least for the Empire. Same for Donovan Raspberry, who was let go from the Fayetteville Mustangs, which I was surprised by. But again, as we saw the Mustangs, they have plenty of ta- targets. They, they, unfortunately, he was the odd man out, but he gets to go over to the Empire, which is funny. He's going to a system that, you know, he's going to be in basically for depth, but he still is going to be, that's the thing. If you have great depth, you know, it's going to be awesome. And yes, he did play. Yeah, and you're talking like that. He did play in, of course, the CFL keeping that in mind too, had a great head veteran years with them as up in that league as well. Um, but they, you know, they added more talent already to a well-stacked roster. Um, and I think for Orlando, you know, even with a few changes to this, I look at last year's wins that at least teams got against the empire. And there's, there's a bit of a formula. I think there's, this is what I believe you have to have, you know, first off, you got to have the first possession. To me, I think you have to have the first possession. If you don't, it is what it is. Coin tosses, they happen. But to me, you got to have the first possession out of the gate. Why? Because you want to get going out of the gate. You want to be a possession ahead out of the gate. Secondly, finish with the last possession in the half. You want to make sure that if you maybe if you're tied up there, be sure that you go into halftime and that you give yourself a buffer. Don't let the empire get ahead. That's when they get a little more aggressive on defense. Third things first. If you have any opportunities, you have to be pristine on getting any defensive opportunities against the Empire. I'm talking four and outs, getting interceptions, forcing fumbles. You have to find some way to weasel yourself into getting one extra chance to go back down the opposite way on the turf. You have to play perfect. That's how it is. And with the Empire, you have to play perfect, and you have to play out of the gate hot, no stalls. And one thing with Orlando we saw last week, and it's the same thing that plagued him last year. Perky Walls probably knows this coming in when he was with this team. You can't have a half off like you did against Fayetteville. That is going to doom you once again. You have any bit of time off in this game, I don't think you come out of the Capital Region with a win. Carolina last year showed in multiple contests what allows you to beat the Empire formula, and you basically have to be fast and stay on the gas the entire 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's the only way you win. The entire 60 minutes, you get a lead, you hold the lead, and you basically match for match that energy on whatever happens on the opposite side of the field, and you just keep it going. It's – yes, Phil, I did say they have to <laughs> play near that. perfect. Yes, I did say that. They have to play near perfect. Um, one of the things I want to say about that matchup is Orlando – there's going to be times when Albany coughs up the football. It's fumble. Love the sport. You can be near perfect and fumble the football. Mm-hmm. You have to capitalize on turnovers. One thing last year that was detrimental, I, I'm, I hate bringing back last year games, but there was a key turnover in that game that were, had a flag, but we're going to talk about the turnover. That was the pivotal turning point in that game. 
and then Orlando got a turnover the possession uh, the next possession over and then Jen and then just gave the ball back to Albany. They have to capitalize on turnover, especially in Albany. This is not the friendly confines of Amway and Reno. We had 7,300 no. fans show up. Um, you're in Albany. They have a rowdy fan base. Uh, that fan base that was there in the championship game will get into you. It will play mind tricks with you. I believe it's the Section 105 I hear is one of the yes. more rowdier sites. And I know there's Empire fans in our chat. They can correct me. But I know that at least the 105 has been brought up in some circles yeah. as, like, yeah. the rowdiest one over an MVP. Yeah. Um, one, one of the things that I, I, we had someone comment on the page earlier this week about the Darius Prince rule. Does the Darius and Prince rule, is that in effect this week against in Albany? Who does Darius Prince play for? Mm-hmm. Albany. Uh, Darius Prince is going to eat. And the key situation is if Josh Jenkins is playing against him, does he slow him down? Now, in this game, like you mentioned the past games, I said about points and how the game is going to be, you know, like in Jacksonville, you in Jacksonville, if it's a low scoring game, that favors Jacksonville. Um, in this game, it almost to a point where I have to like literally see Orlando may have to go blow by blow with Albany and hopefully Albany coughs up the ball or has a bad turnover or bad penalty or something happens for them to strike. Um, I, that's what the feeling I'm getting in this game. Uh, but one of the key, like the, I love matchups. One of the matchups I would love to see is Brandon Cisse, Daquan Murray, the big hogs down the line. Who wins the line of scrimmage battle in this game? That's, in my opinion, that's a key matchup. Also, Maxwell well, versus Schwartz. That's well, remember, too, remember, too, part of the reason that the second half in Orlando went so sour is Fayetteville started getting back at Jack Sheehan and just causing him to be completely discombobulated in mm-hmm. the dread zones, forcing turnovers. If, if Albany does the exact same thing Fayetteville does, then that can instantly spell disaster for Orlando, which, again, they quit, they played a pretty clean first half. But Fayetteville started getting back there, started forcing Jack to get throw ducks up in the air just for grabs. And that just basically summoned doom for anything Orlando was going to do second half. Albany is very much capable of doing that, not only with, of course, Cece. Cornelius Lewis can do that, too. I mean, he, oh, yeah. he definitely can go back there and wreck wreck it shorts or hag depending on how they have to go with the orientation both of them can cause damage in the backfield we know nick hag can do that for certain with the empire um you know you have to make sure that you're going to be giving them a little more time consistently though that's the thing first half against Fayetteville they did a great job you know jack was able to have a clean pocket and deliver second half it fell completely apart as part of the reason why that collapse happened you've got to give a clean pocket for him He's a good he's a good QB. He can be a good QB. We saw those flashes and that first half through the early third quarter. He definitely can throw that and deliver a clean ball to those highly talented receivers in Orlando, but you can't let that thing slip through at the very end. That is going to kill you, especially against the Empire as well. And they're going to bring the heat. Without a doubt, going to bring the heat. That's what I expect. And I just have a, the vision that – it has to go blow by blow. Orlando has to match them point by point. Like he mentioned earlier, they have to score first. If that means hitting the deuce, that means hit the deuce. Like find a way to stay par for par with Albany because Albany has a team we've seen the last two years under Manos and most likely under Ware. Like if you give 
Orlando, or if you give Albany that inch of opening of showing that sign that you have, ba- you know, you may not have what it takes to go up against them, mm-hmm. they will put you away. That's Albany. Ooh. They've done that for the last two years. I'm going to punch this up because this week in Arena Ball, I do want to give a shout out because Cowboy Bobby is one of my favorite guys to get caught on camera for these broadcasts with Albany. So shout out to, of course, the folks out there in, in the Empire in the Empire State, in the Capital Region that bring up, you know, this the fun characters in this league. There's so many in all the fans. Cowboy Bobby, though, I always love watching out for him because he's he's always just having – he's just rowdy good old time. And it's uh, – I met, I got to meet him and his dad and his dad earlier last year. And that's been kind of a legacy. He actually grew up with, uh, you know, he's watching Firebirds back in the day. And so now he's kind of embracing kind of being this hyper fan for the Empire. Um, but, yeah, 115 through 17, I guess I will be also watching out for you guys too. Um, Going to be a fun game, fun atmosphere. You know, MVP Arena has been a fun arena atmosphere since 1990, essentially the early 90s, 93, when the Firebirds came in. And the Empire, since they've come back, they have been continuing to grow this back up in the NAL. Um, and should be good. But, yeah, the Preds, as we'll reveal in our pickums, you'll see if we think they can play a perfect game. Uh, but that's the thing. They, As many of you have mentioned, too, like us, it's got to be a perfect game. That's the only deal. All right, we'll go. that's the show, folks. We'll see you later. Great. And the video won't work. <laughs> I've never seen them act like that before. Denial can be an ugly thing. Well... We should go, Mr. Ventura. I've arranged a plane. I'll meet you at the bottom. There's still one more thing I must do before I go. Ace is right. We we can't leave now. We, we haven't even picked. Get 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 up here. We got to do our picks, man. It's time. It is time to draw in and let you know who we think is walking away week two with a victory as well. So let's get down to business here. Uh, let's see. Uh, back and forth is how we go on, Jim. Is that what I'm remembering from last week? Okay. So, first things first, we got West Texas and Carolina sitting up top and pretty. The Warbirds visiting Greensboro Coliseum. Greensboro Coliseum is getting their first home game for the Cobras this season. Uh, I Like I said, so many questions for the West Texas Warbirds. I got to go with the Carolina Cobras here with the pick. Charles McComb already showed he still has some of that spunk he had in the last time he was with the NAL, and he's going to bring it back as well. Give me the Cobras in what should be, I think, a two-possession win for them over there in Greensboro. You think it's two possessions? Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm being generous. I'm going to put two. I think that the Warbirds will play a better game this week. That's my opinion. I think the Warbirds are going to play a better game this week. I think it's going to be a lot closer than two possessions, in my opinion. I think this is going to be a type of sluggish team. I think this is a type of game where it could be a get-right game for Carolina. The determining factor in this game is going to happen early in the game, like literally within the first 10 minutes. Is West Texas worth getting there to be competitive in this game? It's going to be that type of game. You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yes, I am going to do it. No, I'm going to stay with Carolina. (laughs) I'm going to to stay with Carolina here for this matchup. So, yeah. You with these swerves, it's always going to come. Every week, I, you have to have one. It's not – Jim, you're not yourself if you don't swerve at least once a week. No, yep, true. Good point. <laughs> All right, folks, going on over. San Antonio, they had a they had a close finish against the Cobras that we just mentioned. Uh, they're going to the Shark Tank. Shark Tank looking like going to be a packed crowd, as always, out there in Jacksonville at the Five Star Memorial Coliseum. 
again, here's the thing. It really is going to come down to QB play, I think, for the Sharks. Does Connor Blau get a little more settled down against a much better Gunslinger's opponent coming into the Shark Tank? He does have the Shark faithful behind him for this game. However, I got to go with the Gunslingers for this one. I think that Connor Blau, Blau is going to get a little overwhelmed with Justin Alexander and Calvin Fance coming around the edges. And personally, I think there's just too much talent in SA that's going to overwhelm them at least in the end. I think it'll be closer than some people think. Um, it really comes down to how Connor is adjusted week to week. But I got to go with the Gunslingers here, taking a road win against the Sharks and Jason Gibson squad. We lost. Wait a minute, I'm not supposed to lose. Let me see the script. Yes, <laughs> yes. I usually do it for games of the week, but, you know, checking the script, I got to do it for my hometown team. Yes, I see chats. Like, bless the chats. Jim is going to pick the Sharks. Jim is oh. going to pick the Sharks. I see, Phil. I see you. I see the, the bias. Jim's a bias. Jacksonville, my hometown, my home arena. I'll be there live. I'm not the Rock. I'm just trying not to be like the Rock. But anyways, <laughs> this game is good. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. No, I ain't doing DX either. <laughs> uh, checking this script in this game. I'm seeing it right here. I see visually right here. Chris has printed it out right here how the game is going to end. Basically, the game is going to come down to an offensive struggle between two teams. Jacksonville with a be- good defense. Uh, uh, San Antonio with a good defense. It says right here, and I know people are saying, man, Jim is just going to pick the Sharks because he's a Shark bias. You know what? I'm not going to be that type of fan. I'm not that biased. Yes, Phil, you can eat my words. I'm not going to pick the Jacksonville Sharks this week. But what I'm kidding, the script says otherwise. Sharks are off of the offset. Someone had a typo on that. Someone had a typo on that script, I see, because you definitely (laughs) sounded like you were thinking that. The script says San Antonio, but I'm not going to pick San Antonio. I'm not a true Shark fan without picking my boys. Uh, For me, I think Sharks pull off the win because of a Marvin Ross interception. Mm. Probably a pick six. But I think this game's going to come down to a nail-biter again like it did the last two times. So, yes, that's me being a fan, Phil. I love the respect, man, but if I'm not a fan, i got to pick my my Sharks. But – well, well, folks, that means that they set that this is the first game that will set in bragging rights for who's taking the lead come next week because we are three and zero a piece. We tip, we pick the same thing, so looks like we're going to have to have a little bit of talking. Someone's going to be talking smack talk next week between you and I. I know it. Um, and that's hey, well maybe hey maybe that's the only split. Maybe not. We're going to find out right now in the game of the week. Predators traveling to the Capital Region to take on the. The two-time defending champs in the NAL here, the Albany Empire, trying to defend and get to a three-peat in the NAL, their fourth championship in, well, five years as well. Jesus, that's amazing. Just think about how amazing that has been for a streak for the Empire faithful. Look, I'm going to tell it and spill it here. Do I think that the Preds have a perfect game? Do I think that the Orlando Predators will come out swinging and play all four quarters? No. I don't think so. And actually, this is a challenge to the Preds as a as a roster. Here's the thing, guys. I want to see a full game. I haven't seen a full game for the Preds in a while now. Play four quarters. Let me see four quarters of competition where you are basically right in the thick of it till the very end here. Because last year, it has, this trend since the end of last season at the back half has not continued to go that way. So 
I don't got the Preds. I got the Empire, and I think that the Preds are going to fall apart at least in one of the two, in one of four quarters that will allow the Predators to win by probably two possessions. To be be frank, I don't think this will be a one possession game, um, and I'm not just using two as a default. I do think this will be a two possession contest, and that the Preds will just not find a way to score in one of these quarters. It's been a trend. Give me the Empire. It's a trend that is very. You, you, if you, if you're a betting man, you'll bet this trend. It's, it's easy money if you're voting for, uh, uh, betting for the empire, not voting. That's a different thing. Uh, but <laughs> betting on the empire. This game, like I mentioned before, Orlando has to play near perfect against Orlando against Albany. Albany, if they're playing their best game, it, you literally have to hope that God something happens. Uh, the energy. I'm feeling in Albany right now for the players-wise. Uh, they're focused uh, and from the conversations I had with Manas and from the conversations I've had with other players and other coaches around the league. Albany right now, the reason why they're number one in our power rankings, they're the defending champions, they're home. Um, I think they're going to be very – I think they're going to feed off the energy of the crowd. I think they're going to move the ball down the field successfully. I think Orlando stays toe-to-toe with them all the way to probably midway through the third quarter, but Orlando makes the key mistake that leads to the opening that Albany needs to pull away in this game. I see a game just like Jacksonville, West Texas last week where it's close for majority of the game until the better team with a better ta- with a better team with a more talented uh, defense will pull away. But also, I don't think this is going to be as – I don't think it's going to be nowhere near as ugly as last week in, against Fayetteville. I think Albany does win this game. I think Albany wins probably by 10 points, 12 points, but it's going to be a very competitive game all the way to the very end where the Albany Empire will pull away in the fourth quarter and pull uh, two. Okay. So that means we're going to have one deciding game this week. If you guys are going to tune into any of them, then I would say that that's the one I think if you want to see how we're going to be talking next week in terms of the rebound and getting at each other. Um, otherwise, you know, like I said, should be pretty competitive. I, I think, like I said, West Texas last week, they're going to come out and I think they'll swing a lot harder than last week. I think Orlando, as you and I have talked, there is potential there that they can keep up. The time will tell trends will tell too. Can they buck some trends as well? And we will find that out soon. Uh, folks, it has been a pleasure to have you on for another edition. If you're watching as a pregame, thank you. Uh, thanks for being patient with us as well, as well this week. Uh, it's a little different. We'll be back to a normal studio setting next week as well. Um, and check out some NAL action, too. You're going to enjoy it. And spread the word. Remember, we're trying to grow the game. Let your friends know. Tell them about arena football. It's not dead. It is fully alive and kicking. And it kicks ass, too. And I'm not afraid to say that. So, folks, without further ado, I'm just saying thank you for tuning in. And remember, I am going to Springstock to do the USFL. Yes, I do two shows. I am a double-duty guy. I love both these leagues just as equally. And if the NAL wants to give me a T-shirt, send me a T-shirt. I need a logo T-shirt. I don't have it. That's why I'm not wearing an NAL T-shirt. I see these chats. I know what you're complaining about. I love the NAL as much as any other league like the USFL as well. It is the best arena league in the country, and it's like the USFL is the best spring football league, in my opinion, in the country too at least in my opinion. That could be changed. You know, some people agree, some people don't. It's my opinion. That's what I got. Give me an NAL shirt, and I'm done talking. <laughs> Mic drop, I'm out. <laughs> How dare you? I thought you were going to say something. How dare you?
<laughs> there you go. <laughs> the, the delay in this is crazy today for some reason. Anyways, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, um, appreciate the love, appreciate the support. If you're listening to us before the game in Jacksonville or in game in Albany or in Carolina, thank you for listening to Inside the Walls podcast. Without you guys, we can't do anything here. The work that we do behind the scenes to give you accurate information from the National Marine League is our passion. We both do sh- different shows outside of here. Zach has one going on right now, and he's dedicated. I'm dedicated to my other stuff, too. Um, so we'll keep on the lookout for that. If you're interested, uh, just DM me, and I'll tell you what project I'm working on uh, for you to you know, uh, come join me. Um, but overall, National Marine League Game Day, 2000, uh, week two. 2000 what the hell um, 2000, <laughs> 2000. Uh, week two tomorrow night or tonight whatever whatever day it is jacksonville san antonio get ready albany orlando get ready and carolina and west texas get ready week two is here we'll see you guys on tuesday for nal rebound covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier.